Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Thank you very, very much for that. We really appreciate it. God in his infinite wisdom will be kind. We ask for the help of the Holy Spirit as we go into the word of God. And I ask that he teaches, that he instructs, but most of all, he does exactly what God has intended him to do. May God bless you wherever you are, whether you are in the worship center or you are in the far-flung parts of the world. May God be with you as he speaks into your life. And ladies and gentlemen, could you kindly turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 5. Luke 5, I will read from verse 1. If I just, Luke 5, and I'll read from verse 1. And I'm going to stop at verse 11. And that will be our text for today. The Bible says the following, and it came to pass as the people pressed Upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret, he being Jesus Christ. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And ladies and gentlemen, if you could just pause there for a moment, I want you to notice Jesus, the Bible says Jesus sits in Simon's boat and he teaches the people out of the ship. We are going to come back to that, but I wanted you to remember. Verse 4, the Bible says, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a draft or a catch. The Bible then says in verse 5, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Verse 7, And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, let me pause again. The Bible says that they enclosed a catch of fish that by the time they pulled it all in, their boats began to sink. Please remember that. Somebody, even before I, I go on, this is what the Lord says, and I will speak very simply. Somebody... He needs to hear the Lord. The Lord is about to shift you into a season of abundance where generosity will be a necessity because abundance is about to come into your world. The Bible says they enclosed such a draft of fish that the boat began to sink, meaning they had to either prepare it or give it away. Otherwise, what was coming was too much. Hear me well. Somebody is about to move from a place of 
necessity to a place of abundance in that you will have to share what you have. That's not today's message, but hold on to it. Let me keep going. The Bible says the following, verse 8, and when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord, for he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken, verse 10, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said unto Simon, that means Peter was the focus of this event. The Bible then says, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. May God bless the reading of his word. The reason I read that was just in case this is the first time you've tuned in over the last few weeks. This is God's word to us this year. Hear me well. The Lord says, launch out into the deep. This is a season where what God has planned is about to come to pass into your life. And so we're looking at this particular text and we will do so for a great deal of this year but hear me well ladies and gentlemen God is about to change a few things so let's look at a few things from this text and I pray that God causes this particular season to be one that blesses you the first thing we notice is this point number one God prepared Peter now this I, I want to say this really carefully please let me put it into a phrase so that I may that you may understand the new might be unfamiliar but it is not going to be a surprise the new might be unfamiliar but it's not going to be a surprise because before Jesus told Peter launch out into the deep he had prepared him in a way so that what he said was going to come to pass no matter what. But let's have a look at that level of preparation. And so the first thing you realize is this. Notice, Jesus had prepared Peter by making sure that before he asked him to do anything, Peter grew up as a fisherman. So you may say, what does that mean? Hear me well. The Lord has prepared you even before you realized he was preparing you. So Peter just thought that, you know what, my grandfather's a fisherman, my dad is a fisherman, I'm going to be a fisherman. That's how it works. Hear me well. He, he did not realize that God was setting him up for a life that would change the world. So it is with you. So let me put it this way. Ladies and gentlemen, your career is a tool in the hand of the Almighty for what he is about to ask you to do. So please keep this in mind. The new might be unfamiliar, but it's not going to be a surprise. So let me put it this way. Notice, throughout the Bible, you find that God uses the career of the people he chooses to serve in their ministry. Let me give you an example. You find that Moses in the Bible, you find his story reading from the book of Exodus, chapter, verse, chapter 3, reading going forward. Moses was an administrator 
par excellence. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh. Pharaoh at that point in time was assumed to be a god. Moses built remarkable cities. Moses led men. He was comfortable dealing with large numbers of men. That was his career, his skill. When God calls him, Moses then in ministry leads three and a half million people. He builds something that only exists in heaven. He takes them to a future and through things that only somebody with the assurance and confidence of having the training of being partly divine could do, meaning his career served his ministry. Let me say the phrase again. The new might be unfamiliar, but it's not going to be a surprise. How do I know that? Let's look at Elisha. You find his story in Second Kings and um, First Kings chapter 19. That's where he first arrives in the book of going down to the last part of that chapter. Elisha is very different from Elisha. Elisha is plowing with 12 yoke of oxen by himself. He's a man that knows how to get things done, getting the maximum impact with the least amount of effort. He takes over from Elisha, and we realize he manages to do twice as much as Elijah not only because of the remarkable anointing that rests upon him, but also because of the career that he had before he started ministry. So he was used to getting a lot done. He achieves twice as much. The last person we're going to talk about, and the reason I'm saying it is this. I want to drive home the point, ladies and gentlemen, that this is your year to launch out into the deep. But hear me well. Point number one, please remember this. You are already prepared for what God is asking you to do. It might be unfamiliar, but it's not a surprise. How do I know? Let's use Jesus Christ to nail this to the ground. Jesus Christ... God makes sure that Jesus is born to a carpenter. That means Jesus, before he steps into ministry, is trained as a carpenter. And ladies and gentlemen, that has significant impact on his skills. Because a carpenter, at that point in time, had to have the following abilities. The first one, he had to be able to describe something that was currently invisible to people so that they could see what he could see. Remember, this is way back then. There are no computers. There are no, no plans. So when someone will go to Jesus and say, I need a table with 12 chairs, and he will say, no problem. I'm going to make it for you. And they'll say, okay, what are you going to make? There was nothing to draw. So Jesus would have had to learn the ability of explaining something he could see to someone who couldn't see it. We also realized that the skill of a carpenter was taking differing pieces of wood and making them together so that strengths 
and abilities were put together in such a way so that the whole would become reality. So that means he would not make the legs of a table out of wood that was flexible. He knew how to pick different pieces of wood for different sections of what he was about to create. You also realize that translates into Jesus' ability to being one of the best team builders we see in history. We realize when he picks people out, he identifies that, you know what, there are certain elements in certain people that I need, and he focuses on them laser-like. Why? It was not as, it, yes, it was the anointing, but his career laid a foundation for what God was about to do. And hear me well, let me just say this, and then I will skip to one more area, and it's this. The new might be unfamiliar, but it's not going to be a surprise. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is your season. It's not going to be familiar, but it is not going to be a surprise. So he prepares Peter by his career. He also prepares Peter by the words that he places within him. And two places in Scripture, this is why I love the Bible. Come with me to Luke 4. Luke 4, reading from verse 38. Jesus had just literally spoken into the Spirit in the synagogue. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and there was an explosion of ministry. When he leaves the synagogue, they're all staring that, who is this guy? Where did he get this knowledge from? Luke 4, verse 38. The Bible says the following, And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Meaning, when you see, <coughs> excuse me, when you see Peter in Luke 5, that's not the first time he meets Jesus. The Bible says Jesus goes to Simon's house. Simon welcomes him in. His mother-in-law is sick. Jesus heals her. By now, Peter's freaked out. Then, that night, after the Sabbath is over, let me read on. And the Bible says, And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Verse 40, I'll keep reading. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out, saying, Thou art the Christ, Son of, the, Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. Verse 42, when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him. That means told him to stay with them, that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Verse 44, and he preached in the synagogues of Galilee, meaning Peter knew Jesus before he came to the boat. But he also 
had seen what Jesus could do. And ladies and gentlemen, why am I saying that? The new has been planted on your inside even though you did not realize that, what, that was what God was doing. And I could demonstrate it to you, and I will do so in a very simple phrase. Notice, if I was to ask you whether or not you had a picture on your inside of what you think tomorrow will look like if everything was perfect, most of us have a picture. So God had planted a picture into the heart of Peter before this moment came. Why am I saying that? He had prepared him that this is what I want you to do. Third level of preparation, and then I'll move on. And this one, I have to say this. When I discovered this, I freaked out. The good thing was I was by myself. And I hope you freak out too. How did God prepare Peter? He prepared him with the Word of God. Luke 5 says the following in verse 3. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, which is where we've been. And he prayed him that he will thrust a little out from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship, full stop. Then the Bible doesn't say anything about what Jesus said. But by the time Jesus has finished, he asked Peter, thrust out into the deep, let's make something happen. Come with me, please, to the book of Mark, chapter 4, reading from verse 1. And the Bible says the following, And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And then the Bible says, and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. What am I saying? What did Jesus teach from Peter's boat? And Peter had a front row seat. He taught the people, this is how the kingdom of God functions. He said, this is what the parable that Jesus teaches is the parable of the sower. He lays out to everybody present, this is how God functions. He says, the sower sows. In the explanation, in verse let me get it right. Yes, verse 14, when he's explaining the parable of the sower, Mark 4, 14, he says the following, the sower sows the word. So, ladies and gentlemen, what did Jesus preach while he was in Peter's boat? It was the parable of the sower. He had literally prepared Peter. He prepared his heart that when you hear my word next, it will change your life. Listen to me very carefully. God has, by his grace, set you up 
for the best year of your life. He has laid word after word after word into your heart, and now he's moving you forward. Because notice, by the time Jesus finishes preaching, he's explained very clearly that life revolves around the word of God. What does he do for Peter? He then says, let's put it to the test. Because Luke chapter 5, verse 4, he says, launch out into the deep so that we can catch a draft. And Peter responds like this. He says, Master, the circumstances of yesterday say that this is not a good idea. We have toiled all night and have caught nothing. But at thy word, I will do what you say. Where did that come from? Because he had just heard Jesus explain that, listen, this is what I want to do and the word of God is about to make it happen. What am I telling you, ladies and gentlemen? The Lord has prepared you for tomorrow with his word. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 will never leave our hearts, especially if you're in this particular congregation or anywhere in the world. And what is God saying? He says very clearly, he says, listen, Something about tomorrow is about to happen. How has he prepared you? He prepared you with his word. You are on better ground than you realize for what is about to happen next. Second point. Second point is this. Please come with me back to Luke 5. Before we go on, everybody say, prepared. Thank you. You're prepared. Luke 5, reading from verse 6. The Bible says, Peter pushes out into the deep. And the Bible says, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitudes of fish and the net break. Pause for a moment. And I want you to realize this. Jesus said, I want you to go into the deep. This was not a place that was unfamiliar to Peter, but it was out of season. But the key is this. Ladies and gentlemen, please remember when God tells you this is what he wants you to do about launching into the deep. Jesus stayed in the boat. That means when God asks you to go into the familiar or the unfamiliar in an unusual season, whether he asks you to do something that is possible or impossible, the key is this, he's staying with you. The difference was that Jesus said, let's go and do this. But Jesus stayed in the boat. Let that settle your heart, please. Jesus stayed with him. And Jesus staying with him is key because it is Jesus. This, please remember this. It is Jesus that's the miracle worker. 
and Jesus stays with him. So Jesus has said to him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. He gives him a promise that he's out of season, but he stays in the boat. Let's put two scriptures beside that so we understand what we're saying. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Jeremiah chapter 1, reading from verse 12. Jeremiah chapter 1, reading from verse 12, says the following. The Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. Can we look at that in the Amplified Classic version of the Bible, please? The Bible says, Amplified Classic version, now go off the screen, thank you. The Bible says, then said the Lord to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. That means when God gives you a promise, he's the one that sticks with you to bring the promise to pass. Let's go to another scripture so we can nail this to the ground, if you don't mind. Turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 14, reading from verse 12. I'll read for you. John 14, reading from verse 12, and I'll read in the King James Version of the Bible. The Bible says the following, verily, this is Jesus speaking, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name... I will do it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord may be pointing you to a season that is new, but the deal is this. Jesus is still in the boat, meaning the miracle worker has pointed you to a place that might be impossible, but he says, I'm here to do the heavy lifting. Please hear me well. I'm deliberately not using a particular phrase, and I'm going to use it in a minute, but hear me well. Jesus is with you. So please, no matter what the new is, do not forget Jesus is with you. You. The book of Mark, chapter 16, I'll read from verse 20. I'll read from verse 19. Mark 16, 19 to 20, and the Bible says this, and then I'll close this point. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Notice. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs and wonders. Ladies and gentlemen, the difference maker is the Lord himself. The presence of the Lord in your boat means what he's asking you to do is going to change your world and everybody else's world around you. Let me put one final scripture onto that, and I pray this gives you confidence and assurance. Luke 1, verse 37, says the following. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The difference is that God is with you. Jesus stayed 
in the boat. Let's go to the next point. The Bible says, please come back with me to Luke chapter 5. The Bible says the following. Verse 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Ladies and gentlemen, please remember, what God is about to do in your life, through your life, through your marriage, through your ministry, through your time as a teacher, time as a counselor, time as a friend, brother, wife, cousin, auntie, whatsoever it may be. The time that God is, what God is about to do through you is going to change not only your life, but the lives of everybody connected to you. This is my favorite, one of my favorite phrases. You are somebody else's miracle. And so what happened? Peter steps into his calling. And it blesses him so much. He says, call your partners, all of whom were at the same point he was. And the Bible says they step into the same abundance that Peter steps into. Please hear me well. No matter how scary tomorrow looks like, somebody is waiting for you to arrive. And God is about to make it happen. And so, let's skip to the end of Peter's life. His last letter, just before he's killed, he writes two letters, and they are pivotal. But Peter enshrines this reality in the message he gives to those much younger than himself. And if you could turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's look at verse 10. And Peter, understanding his journey, looks back and he says the following. As each of you has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment, employ it for one another as befits God's good trustees of God's many-sided grace, faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. His life is closing out, but he remembers that day. And he makes sure he passes across the fact that you are somebody else's miracle. Ladies and gentlemen, the new will not only change your life, but it is destined to change the lives of so many others. Point number four. Come back with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Luke chapter five. The Bible says the following. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. 
and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon the following, Fear not. And then he says, From henceforth thou shalt catch men. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus had met Peter, and he was leading him into a future that was quite remarkable. But at this point, crunch time happens. Peter says to Jesus, you know what, Jesus? I agree tomorrow looks amazing. I agree that this is what I'm meant to do. But he said, I'm afraid. He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. He said, I don't qualify. I know that you want to do this amazing thing through my life, but I don't qualify. And so he said, you know what, go and find somebody else, someone who's perfect, somebody who is, you know, someone like you. And Jesus makes a statement that I'll never forget. He says, fear not. He said, from this moment forward, you will become a fisher of men. What am I saying to you, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus puts it in a phrase better than I can. And Jesus says this. John chapter 15. I'm reading from verse 16. Jesus says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask the father in my name he may give it to you ladies and gentlemen jesus turns to peter and he says you didn't choose me i chose you everything that I need for you to be what I want you to be, I've already put within you. I've planned your route. I've planned your future. So when he says, fear not, as we learned last week, the opposite of fear is faith. So what was he saying? Believe me. I chose you. I equipped you. I have come to find you. I have chosen your path. The rest will be history. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say this. And, I, and as I was reading this, I sense in my spirit that I'm speaking to someone. And the presence of the Lord is, is, is remarkably strong right now. And I pray that you hear Jesus and he's saying, I chose you. Jesus didn't come to Peter on an, a random whim. It was so well planned, as Pastor Agel has explained. So well planned. So hear me well. 
the new that God has placed in front of you. God is saying to you, wherever you are, whether you're in the auditorium or you're anywhere in the world, the Lord is saying, I chose you. I chose the path and I also have chosen the outcome. All you have to do is walk with me. The rest will be history. The Bible records at this moment in time, Peter's life turns. As we begin to come to a close today, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Luke 5. James and John, Jesus doesn't speak to. He speaks to Peter, and Peter hears him. Verse 11 is key. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Ladies and gentlemen, there comes a point in your walk of faith that you have to make a choice to walk with God the way he said. And the, please understand, life turns on choices and decisions. There comes a point where God has done everything. God has said that this is a new day of destiny. God has said, I will make rivers in the desert and I will literally, I will make a way in the wilderness and I will make rivers in the desert. God has said, you did not choose me, I chose you. God has put within your heart and this is what I realize, God has put within your heart a picture of tomorrow. That, but there comes a point where the only way tomorrow will show up is when you make a decision and then everything else kicks in. Ladies and gentlemen, you are one decision away from the life that you have only imagined. You are one step. And this is key. The Bible says you have to make a choice. You've got to choose God at one point in time. And choices change history. Listen to me very carefully. You are one decision away and all God is asking you to do is believe him and belief is an internal choice but it makes all the difference and ladies and gentlemen <laughs> ladies and gentlemen my job is very interesting and it's coming to an end my job is to present to you tomorrow, my job is to reiterate the fact that the Lord is calling you to launch out into the deep. My job, ladies and gentlemen, is to point you towards tomorrow. My job is to tell you that Jesus chose you. God has prepared you. I want you to realize, I wanted you to, re the Lord wants you to realize that your life is about to change the lives of those you know and those you do not know. Ladies and gentlemen, God has come to tell you, do not be afraid because I've got you. 
but he needs you to make a choice. He needs you to make a choice. You say, but pastor, making choices is difficult. I hear you. And so we will close not with Luke 5. We will close with Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Choices are based on information. Choices are based on many times what we have seen and what we know. But this is what God says to you this morning. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Yesterday has no hold on your tomorrow. It's done its job. And the Lord says, Behold, if you're not focusing on yesterday, God says, who should you focus on? Behold, I will do a what? New thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. All he says is focus on me. Keep your eyes on me. And the rest will be history. And ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the best way to drive home a point is with a story. And this one's quite short. Skip forward in Peter's life. They've got back into another boat, and Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Jesus comes to them walking on the water, and everybody else is panicked. Peter looks across the water, and he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. Peter gets out of the boat, and he walks on water. The Bible says, as long as he's focused on Jesus the miraculous becomes normal. He walks towards Jesus and the storm kicks in. And then he remembers, I'm a fisherman. I've been on these lakes all my life. I've seen this kind of storm before. And his memory takes over, which pictures a tomorrow of failure and drowning. And the Bible says he begins to sink. Jesus, he cries out to Jesus, Lord, help me. And Jesus does something I'll never forget. He reaches out his hand and says, grab my hand. Grabs him. The miraculous kicks back in. Why? His focus is back on Jesus. The Bible then says Jesus does not carry him, but Jesus walks with him back to the boat. Meaning, as long as you are focused on Jesus, the miraculous will become normal. 
That means, ladies and gentlemen, hear me well, the new, it might be unfamiliar, but it will not be a surprise. Listen to me very carefully. God is ready for you. Hear me well. Today, hold on to the fact that God has planned for you a tomorrow that will change your world and the world of those around you. And this is, brings us beautifully to how does our journey with Jesus start? It starts with a decision. Jesus says, if you give your life to me, I'll make an exchange. If you come to me, confess your sins and accept me as Lord of your life, I will make an exchange and I will give you the benefits of my life and I will take the damage of yours. Notice, the actions of Jesus precede your decision. And so ladies and gentlemen, as I ask for those of you that may not know the Lord, he wants to start a walk with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to take you into a future that will change your world. He wants to give you a life different from the one you have. And this is what he says. Make a decision. All the work has been done before the decision. He says, make a decision. And he says, at that moment, you will be removed from harm, separated from the kingdom of darkness and planted in the kingdom of light. We call that saved. Say, Pastor, how come you're saying it with so much confidence? Because on September the 12th, 1987, I reached out to a God who I hated. A God I thought would never accept me. A God I did not know. The rest, ladies and gentlemen, is history. My life became new. Everything before the decision, I was not party to. But the decision changed my life. Ladies and gentlemen, as you make a decision for Jesus, he will change your life, without a doubt. There's a QR code on the screen. There's a pop-up box in your chat. Please click it. But most of all, ask him in prayer to come into your life. Ask him to be Lord of your life. Any words you say are fine. He says, I've already done the work. And ladies and gentlemen, for you in the auditorium and for everybody listening at home or anywhere in the world, my prayer is this, that today God gives you the ability to make a decision that will take you from where you are to where God wants you to be. God will be kind to you, ladies and gentlemen. Have the most amazing week. God bless you.